Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. Welcome to Amplified. We're the show that will help you take your message, whatever it may be, and get it out through social media, networking, and other marketing channels. Maybe even some that you've never thought of. Whether you're an organization, small or large business, or you just have the next positive message that's sure to go viral, you'll want to stay tuned this hour. Now, here's your host, Ken Rashawn. Welcome to Amplified. We are in San Diego, and we have our guests in Maryland, and Rosa is in Maryland as well. And we are here for several really exciting events. We're here for PureJV Mastermind, Traffic and Conversion, and Social Media World. And then we finish the weekend up with City Gala in L.A. So, Rosa, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I just wish I were over there with you. <laughs> you know, the weather's not as good as I thought it was going to be. It's actually rather cold. It does require a jacket. And people are oh, wow. complaining about how cold it is, but it's still probably warmer than Maryland. How's it doing there? Uh, it's rainy and about 40 degrees, so it's not too pretty either. Okay, so this is better. So hop on a plane. <laughs> Feel free to. So th- this is pretty exciting because uh, Big Events USA needed a great launch pad, and we went to the marketers cruise, and now we have a booth at Traffic and Conversion, and then we're going to Social Media World. So I think the trifecta is in place for us to have every single opportunity we could possibly have and to meet the, the influencers in the social media game. So uh, we're going to get to our guest, Anna. Why don't, why don't you introduce Anna so when you're asking questions, I can just bring her in and then we're going to talk about her story as well. Okay. So Anna Renault is a published author thanks to Perfect Publishing, as well as a newspaper columnist, public speaker, and she's also a former radio show host and substitute teacher. Anna loves to spend time with her family and friends and is eager to publish more books, some for children at different grade levels, as well as another autobiographical book about her recent 30-day trip, tra- uh, train trip around the USA. Um, you know, Anna's retirement life completely changed after she wrote her first book, which was called Anna's Journey, How Many Lives Does One Person Get? Um, and so that's our guest for today, Anna Renault. Well... We were so hoping we could have Patsy Anderson joining because she's obviously one of the people that really was instrumental in this connection happening. So, Anna, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm hanging in there in the rain here in Baltimore, Maryland. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good. Well, we were going to have a great show, and, you know, we redesigned this show because it was very cool how both of our lives changed so much because of publishing. So I wanted to give Rosa an opportunity to give a marketing tip because we don't want to forget the lovely marketing tips that she gives that really transform your social media presence and really allow you to have people connect with you at your most powerful self. So, Rosa, why don't you go ahead and give a tip? Well, actually, today I'm going to turn the tables on you, and actually I want to uh, interview you in a way because uh, we know that Amplify is about amplifying your message, and we talk about how social media can do that, but there's a other way with a lot of people don't understand or just think it's such a big task, and that is becoming an author, writing a book. I know you've done that. You've helped many others do that. And so I actually wanted to ask you, because I would love to do that also, so I wanted to ask you about that, and maybe you can share some of your experiences with, with us regarding, you know, how, the first, how your first book changed your life. Why don't you share that with us? 
Well, first of all, I cannot believe you're turning the tables on me like this. I mean, <laughs> it'd be nice to know this kind of stuff before we're live. I mean, there's millions of people that are kind of saying, I came to listen to Rose to give a marketing tip. So uh, what, I will let you turn the tables. And you know what, Anna? When you want to chime in, uh, we're going to have the first segment really about why you want to do a book and what, what some of the things are. And then we're going to integrate into when we met. And then we'll kind of go back and give more tips. How's that sound? That sounds like a plan. <laughs> I love this plan. All right, Rosa, do you, well, since you have the question, Good plan, right? <laughs> I am. we're going to go ahead and use your plan. Go ahead for it. So, okay, so tell me about your first book. I mean, how did it change your life? How did it make a, a difference for you? Well, my first book was uh, really a leap of faith in that I had wanted to do a book for some 30 years, and I was advising people, much like you do with social media, and social media was rather... Uh, very, very new to the world. It was 2008 was when I started Perfect Networker, and I was giving advice on social media just using guerrilla marketing tactics, and people said, is this content in a book? And I go, I don't think it is. And so people kept uh, egging me on or encouraging me to do a book, and I started taking notes, and I was inspired to get a book done because I'd seen what a difference in, uh, my uncles and my grandparents had that had accomplished that feat, and they were known as, you know, the authors of the family. And, uh, and one wrote a poetry book, another one an architecture book, and another one actually uh, wrote, uh, I would say, back in columns for a business magazine. So I was very inspired to have this book completed in a year, and I made probably more mistakes financially, grammatically, and every other which way that <laughs> I wouldn't wish this on anybody. <laughs> but I, uh, I, I approached the book with, surrounding myself with as many authors that could give me advice as possible. That is the first thing I would say made the biggest difference is instead of having my friends that were not authors take, um, take the available time I had to do this book, I actually spent as much time as I could meeting authors and asking them the questions that how do you get a book done and what advice they would give. And it was amazing. They were very available. They were very encouraging. Not one of them said, you know, I can't meet you. I'm too busy. So they were all giving with their time. And their number one thing they said which is kind of funny, it's just start writing. Because a lot of people talk and they say, I want to write a book. And then you say, well, how far have you gone? They go, I haven't started yet, but it's all in my head. <laughs> and, uh, and so I spent a lot of money because, unfortunately, my mom had just been diagnosed with Alzheimer's. My dad, who was uh, basically a speechwriter, he worked uh, at NSA, National Security Agency, he would decided he would be a caretaker for my mom. So I lost my two... Uh, just extremely talented writers. And my mom was an English teacher, history teacher, and reading teacher, so she had a master's degree. Wow. And I was losing two people that could have helped me make this book so easy. But then again, mm-hmm. they, had, they hadn't written a book, and uh, God had his own uh, lesson for me to learn. So I ended up spending a fortune on hiring quote-unquote experts, and I put a book out that was, uh, was really uh, honestly an embarrassment. It was laden with uh, something like 42 grammatical errors, and someone said uh, blatant grammatical errors, and I even hired an editor. So you got to really be careful how you vet people and how they actually um, edit your book so that your voice is still your voice. And Mm -hmm. I always tell people that had I not published that book on December 12th, 2009, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have met Anna. Because Anna Renault came into my life, I think it was months after that. So Anna, tell me, why don't we share with the guest your your uh, connection because Patsy Anderson obviously put me on the radio first, 
and I was in her office, which she created was a co-op, and I had finished that book, and I started the second book with Patsy and that, that group of people, and next thing I know, I'm meeting you. So can you tell the audience and even myself uh, your account of the story? Well, certainly when it comes to meeting Patsy, I had met her with a women's networking group, and it was really before she was doing radio, and certainly people had been egging me on to write my book because they thought my cancer history was worth a story that needed to be told. Now, I had also had another friend who did write a book, and the publishing company, in my opinion, really ripped her off, and I thought, I don't want to do that. I don't want to get into, you know, that kind of a situation. And long story short, Patsy had a networking event with a panel of networking people, including Ken Roshan. And so we crossed paths. And then when Patsy started her co-op, Ken called and said, you need to come in and we need to talk about your book. So I'm sitting in this office looking out the window saying, this, this can't be happening. And Ken said, I can help make it happen. And I said, but nobody wants to read about cancer. You know, it's just kind of boring. It's kind of depressing. And he said, yeah, but you have a lightning strike and a fatal car crash, and you have all this other stuff in your life. And he kicked them off on his fingers, and the next thing you know, we had 10 chapter titles. And I thought, well, gosh, maybe this can happen. Maybe we can make it happen. So then Ken got really pushy and said, I want the draft by January 20th. I want to have it printed by February 16th. And we're going to be at Patsy Anderson's Women's Expo at Catonsville in March. And I'm thinking, this guy's got to be kidding. But he wasn't. And I wasn't. No, and certainly, you know, the rest is history. We made it happen. Now, fortunately, I had parts of the story already written on my computer, so it was a matter of just putting the chapters together and filling in the missing chapters. But I thought, can Ken really make this happen? And actually, Ken, February 26th, 2011, you handed me my first copy of my first book. Seven years awesome. ago today. Oh, wow. No way. No way. On your radio show, WLOB, on Security Boulevard. Seven years ago, right about this time, actually. Yeah, you're right. It was around 10 o'clock in the morning. Yep. Is that ever I lost that today's show? Is we're doing this all over again? That's yeah, we we kind of are. This is the anniversary, but you know, this is a, a bigger anniversary because you've accomplished so much since then. And I got to say, your account of the story was definitely more detailed. I loved it. There's a couple parts that I think you may have left out from my side that I wanted to share, which is that you ha- had a bit, a bit of inhibition, trepidation about even if this book needed to be printed. And you told me the story of what you had in mind, and you talked for if I recall, roughly about 10 minutes about this download that you had of what your book would be about. And when you finished, you looked at me and you said, so do you think it'll sell? 
And I said, there's only one way to find out because I did not answer you. I knew it so, but I knew one thing. You had my attention. And I wanted your story to be out right away after I heard it because it was, it was too inspirational. Anyone who has been through as much as you've been through and has accomplished as much as you've accomplished just really shows what the human spirit's capable of. And you've gone to prove it over and over and over again. And I have to say that when I had my book come out, even though it was an embarrassment from a grammatical standpoint, it launched me on a 50-something radio shows because the cover got a lot of... Uh, a lot of coverage and interest. And so I got invited on radio shows and my career basically started as a result of the book landing there on all these radio shows. How was that for you, Anna? And that's really what happened with me. I was already retired and doing some other part-time things here and there. And fortunately, I had already started writing for the newspaper. And it really convinced me that people would read what I wrote. Because so often you don't know, does anybody really like what you write? And are you going to write a book that just sits in a box as a doorstop? And I thought, well, if nobody else will buy the book, at least some of the people from the newspaper reading would buy the book, and of course family and friends. And we made a deal first. It was going to be 100 copies, and it was 300 copies. And you gave some great advice about getting pre-orders, and we upped the first printing to 500 copies, and it was just amazing how it really changed my whole retirement plan. I had not planned on being a public speaker, but when you go do these book signings, a lot of people want to hear the story, or at least basics of the story, before they buy the book. And just in 2016, years after the book published, I was paying all expenses paid to fly to California and speak and back. And I went again in 2017. Who would have thought that that first book would have that much impact, not just on the cancer community, but motivation, inspiration, hope, Lots of really positive feedback from a book that I was afraid was going to be depressing. Mm. So, Ken, you've certainly made a huge difference. And even the advice you gave about having a separate autograph compared to your legal signature, the fact that you do need a really good editor, that you have to have the right cover. I mean, there were some huge tips that we talked about that very first December, and it really made a huge difference in me getting my book out versus my friend who got ripped off by another publisher. It really made a big difference. And I've passed some of those tips on to some other authors, and they have been very grateful for your wisdom. Well, I will say your success out of the gate with your book was monstrously higher than mine. I printed 2,000 books, spent $20,000, and I sold, I think, it was somewhere between 1 and 11 books. It's been so long, I don't recall the accounting completely. It could have been a dismal three, but it was, it was really, really embarrassing. And I was sitting with a lot of boxes of books in my garage and thinking, well, I have a choice to make. I can 
write this one off and pay these credit cards off over the next three to five years and just be more careful next time I have a, a crazy vision. Or I can fix all these mistakes in this book and really take advantage of the fact that I had a lot of lessons I had to learn the hard way and I can help people not have those lessons be learned in the future. So I immediately went to a guerrilla marketing tactics after that, that anytime I met an author like yourself, Anna, I would say, let's not print more than a hundred because I don't want to waste your money. And we want to make sure that the book is where it needs to be because once you release a book, it's not like you can go back to each page and say, well, that page had a little mistake. Let's just go ahead and correct that. So it's just better that when you print your first copies, just to let there be mistakes if you have a deadline and then correct those mistakes with low quantity print. That way you can re-release the book and no one knows the difference. Uh, and it certainly saves a lot of money and embarrassment later. Well, it was amazing how many pre-orders I got and that we upped it to the 500 print. But the fact that we mm-hmm. also printed a second and a third printing I was amazed at how many people that I did not know, total strangers, were interested. Some of them because it was eight cancers. Some of them because they had had somebody die from cancer or they were going through cancer and they wanted to know about changing doctors and some of the other tips that I put in the book. It was amazing the, the variety of reactions from different groups of people And again, when you're talking about publishing a book and finding your target audience, my particular book had several different types of target audiences. And you really have to learn how to speak to each of those groups if you really want to sell the book. And I've been fortunate, one, that I know how to talk and change my message a little bit depending on the group. But so many authors don't do that. They have a vision, this is my story, I've written a story, I'm done. They really Mm -hmm. don't realize that the work has just begun. Once you've published, you're not done. You really are. You're just starting in a way. Go ahead, Ken, what? I was saying, in a way, you're just starting. Yeah, that's when the work begins. The marketing is the hard part. For most writers, the writing is the easy part. Even the editing is relatively easy compared to the marketing. But even finding a target audience, a lot of authors say anybody who reads is a, is a customer. And that's not true if they don't like your genre or your topic or even the style of your writing. Well, I want to cut in and speak on a couple of those things. First of all, it's a shame when a writer who is brilliant, has a beautiful heart, a beautiful message, they meet the wrong publisher, and that publisher doesn't service them, and so they have a bad experience, and they may never write a book again, and because the publisher may not be a great marketer, the book may never be seen, and the author walks away from the experience saying they weren't enough. And the second one is a publisher. Uh, Knowing who the right author is and how to service that author, and we really have both experienced something that was life-changing because you were the perfect author for me to have as a first experience because had I not had someone that was willing to listen, take action, and get things done, think how I would have felt. So it's, it's, it's the same for both of us. We both were intentional. We both had the integrity to keep our word and get the job done, and the results were off the charts. And I think the other part I want to bring into play is that 
in the 80-20 rule, if you look at the book, that's 20% of where your money should go and where your effort should go. 80% of it should go into the marketing and the resources and the money that would go towards the book actually living. It's like having a child and saying, all right, we did all the work, we have this child, and I hope uh, that all the money we put into you know, the, the prenatal and <laughs> the x-rays is enough because we're not going to put any more money in this child now. Or time, or time, or resources. So the book is a, it's actually like delivering a, a, a child or um, a legacy that you want to grow so that it has the highest impact in the world. And if you don't look at it that way, what happens is I find when I'm speaking at an event, I say, how many of you are authors? And there might be, out of 100 people in the audience, they raising their hand. I say, how many of you have your book with you right now? And the hands drop at a, probably a rate of about 90%, if not higher. And the reason they're not carrying their book is because the book is not making a difference in the world, but they're not owning the fact that they're not causing it or they don't have someone that's helping cause Well, that was actually one of your tips that you gave me, and I don't know if it was when we first met or after you published, but it was never go anywhere without a book. I sold books in the grocery line, checkout line. I've sold books to my bank tellers. I carried books with me everywhere I went. There were always one or two in my bag that I had on me or I had them in the car. And I sold a lot of, you know, one book here, one book there, but it almost always resulted in a couple of extra sales. They shared it with a friend or they needed an extra copy for somebody that they wanted to give a copy to. It really did pay off to always carry that book with me. It was amazing, the reaction of people, especially when they would stand there and say, oh, my God, I met a published author, you know, (laughs) or can I have your autograph? It took me a long time to get used to being asked for my autograph. I mean, it just wasn't something I was expecting unless I was signing a book. And some people just wanted your autograph. I mean, they felt that they had met a celebrity of some kind. It it was a really life-changing event. Well, I'm glad it was. And again, it was for me too. And I wanted to just remark on the fact that you carried your book around all the time and the difference that made is potentially one book sale a day out of five days a week, five sales a week, times the amount of weeks in a year. You're selling a couple hundred books a, a year and that is substantial. But the bigger part of it is those people are talking about your book, they're sharing your book, and it's reaching the critical mass of everyone knowing you. And there is a point when you're carrying your book and enough people have read your book, especially if they're influencers, that your book all of a sudden becomes a book that everyone wants. Well, I was still carrying the book in 2015, and I was sitting at a cancer support event, and a lady said, I have a book a friend gave me, and the lady on the cover looks just like you. So, of course, I pulled out my book, and I said, you mean this book? And she was like, oh, my God, it is you. I've got your book. (laughs) I mean, and that was four or five years after it published. I mean... It's awesome that it has made that much of an impact. And when I went to California, to Monterey, to speak to that cancer group, you know, it was amazing that that many years after the book published that it was still making an awesome impact. And it was an international group. There were people there from China, Japan, Australia. I mean, 
I never expected that book to go that viral. I really didn't. I'm glad that I finally broke down and wrote it. And I really thank you for saying to me that December day that you could help make it happen. Well, there's a, I think I forgot to tell the audience how much joy it was to receive a call from you every couple of days, giggly, like a little girl on the phone saying, I just sold 20 more books to the hospital. I sold 30 more books. And, and it, we just kept adjusting the amount of books that were going to be printed because of all the good news you were getting from all the people that supported you, loved you, and couldn't wait to read your story. I'm willing to bet there were a few people in my community association that bought the book because they knew me and they may never have opened the cover. But that's okay. They bought the book. But there were a lot of people who did read the book. And I know I have a friend named Kay. She probably bought 10 or 15 copies. Every time she hears somebody get diagnosed with cancer, she buys them a book. And she really thinks that it's supportive, inspirational, and all that stuff. So, you know, with a few really good friends like that, even my mother, I threatened to hire her as my agent. She contacted every family member out of state to make sure they knew I had published a book. So you really need to find that support group around you. Ken? Not the interrupt, but that, that, that's amazing. I, I love the story about your mom telling everybody <laughs> that, they, that, you, that you wrote the book. I'm sure she was proud of you. And, uh, and it's just, a, a, like you say, it's just amazing how many different venues it opened for you, correct? And you don't know who wants to hear the story, mm-hmm. how many people want to hear about even the background, fighting insurance companies, changing doctors, changing hospitals. I mean, there's so much to the whole medical piece for my book. But mm-hmm. then there's also the group, recently, one of the senior centers wants to write memoirs. So they invited me to speak and talk about how do you write an autobiographical book. So you don't know what doors it's going to open. And certainly if you happen to have a business that your book would support, and I'm sitting with my friend Jane Rainier, who has a Mm -hmm. dog business, dog massage, first aid, all that stuff, I convinced her she needed to write a book. You know, I mean, there's... So many ways that you can market your business through having a book. And Ken, certainly with you, with the whole networking, the social media, your gorilla book, how many different versions is it now? And now your selling book, yeah. how many versions is there? Well, it's five, but we're doing the sixth one because we got to get Rose's new information about really bringing your Facebook in alignment with uh, what you're doing powerfully in the world. So, Rosa, I wanted to ask some more questions. Oh, yes. Okay. Well, so this is actually, I was bringing up a, a good point. That is, um, you know, Anna's story, you know, great motivational, um, that actually helped a lot of people. But I have had conversations with you, and I've heard about me as a business person, uh, as an entrepreneur or either, or even a speaker, that, you know, we should have a book. I believe people would, the first thing they would, it's like, yeah, we have a book, but I don't have a great story to tell the way Anna had a great story to tell. So what would you tell those people about 
why they need to write a book, and, you know, how they would go about it. Well, a lot of, I've heard a lot of uh, recent advice about your first book is a throwaway book, and it, and it is a book that may not make you any money, but it's a book that gets you set to actually have a more impactful uh, authorship experience. So my first book was no exception, and I had 2,000 books that I probably still have 1,000 of them left, but because they had errors in them, I'm very cautious about who I give those books to. So the first book is a book that you're just trying to find out what you have to say and learn about the experience. I think Anna will agree that most people, when they do this, they may not have written enough that they need to uh, just enjoy the process as best possible. And the thing to think about is who are you writing to and why are you writing the book? So I'm writing, I've written five books to my son. So I know who, he, I know who I'm writing to. I know why I'm writing to him because if I'm not here someday, I want him to be able to have books he can go to that have uh, humor, have lessons in life, and just really show how much I love him because he doesn't, he's four and a half years old and I don't think at this stage of his life he understands how much a parent loves their child. So that's been uh, a commitment that I made every single year of his life. I would produce one book, publish one book that gives new wisdom and new examples of, of how to live life more powerfully as a leader and how much I love him. The second uh, is a business person. If you're a business person and you're an expert in your field, you would mm-hmm. set yourself apart from everyone else if you can write what makes you different, your unique selling proposition, what people can learn uh, in making decisions, better decisions, and those decisions pointing to you being a person that can solve the problem. So that's the second one. The third one is if you are a speaker and you want to speak on stage more, if you have a book that you can hand out to people that tells your message and people read your message and they like it, then they'll hire you to speak. And that's just three examples right out of the gate. But I'll give you a fourth one, and that is that when you leave this earth, it would be great if your story was at least in the hands of the people who love you. And I will tell you that my grandfather, my grandmother, my uncles, really extraordinary people, and none of them wrote their memoirs, none of them published a book, and so their story is left with them. And so I think, I think it's almost cheating the people who love you and want to stay connected with you and want to learn from you because... Have you ever met someone who is so incredibly intelligent? You're like, oh my gosh, I wish I could download their brain. Mm-hmm. And yes. in a way, this is what's happening today on the show is that Anna has so much experience in life and she's downloading right now on the show things that could really help someone have a better experience of publishing, have a better experience with um, leaving a legacy and really understand the pitfalls of going into this book process. Do you know that... Uh, the average author sells roughly like 30 to 40 books. I mean, that's it. And the average author does not write another book. The average author has lost money and lost time to produce a book. So what Anna is sharing today is vital to someone having the best experience, the best outcome, the best impact, and the best chance of continuing. What do you think about that, Anna? I agree with the fact that a lot of first-time authors don't do their homework. They don't know who their target audience is, and they certainly don't know how to market the book. However, I also happen to have the opportunity to work at the local library, and they let me have uses of the basement library conference room, and I started a writer's group. And I had maybe 10 different people that came, and we talked about writing that first book. 
And I have to admit that out of those 10 people, only one person actually had been writing, and she has since published, and she's actually working on part two of her family legacy that goes all the way back to the Trail of Tears and the Indians and the interracial marriages between the black slaves and the Indians, and it's just been an awesome journey to see this 75-year-old woman have her bucket list checked off that she wrote not only one book but now two. And then I said about my friend Jane, she already has this business, she already has a story to tell, and it was really a matter of convincing her that she already knew how to write. She did technical writing for her full-time job, so I knew she knew how to write. The other part was finding the audience. Who do you want to read the book? And she really wants children to be responsible pet owners, which feeds into her business. So it made sense to sit down and really write her first book. And fortunately, it's not a throwaway. It really is an introduction to being a pet owner as a child and being responsible and whatever. But it has also led her and me to both write these books for children. We have this information. I love to be involved in the environment. My granddaughter and I used to make up stories about a metal butterfly that sits on my kitchen wall. What would happen if Mitzi flew away? Well, Mitzi now has six books, and they're all about the environment. Rain gardens, vegetable gardens, which they call edible gardens rain barrels, clean water, what's the benefit of trees? I mean, Mitzi has six books. Now, unfortunately, it was because I was on bed rest for five months, and how do you keep yourself from going crazy while you're not allowed to get up and do anything? So I wrote the Mitzi stories, and it has really paid off in the long run. Now, I have to admit that I did self-publish them, partly because of money, but also partly just for timing. I was on bed rest. I couldn't go anywhere. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't get out and actually market the book. So, Rosa, there's, that's where the social media really came in helpful for me. I really mm-hmm. have tried to learn how to use Facebook to, to create the um, audience and the vibe about getting involved in the environment. Unfortunately, I live in a waterfront community that has a lot of environmental interested people. So, again, Mitzi has really done well. But I was also asked to write for younger children. So I created Seeing the Butterfly, and she has just published her second book. And the second book really is the fact that she went on the 30-day train trip with me around the country. So you can really find almost any topic to write about. It doesn't have to be eight cancers. It doesn't have to be some fantastic event that you write about. There are many, many different topics and many different readers that are interested in reading different books. Well, Anne, I want to talk about your writing group because you actually brought up a very interesting point is that when you don't have a mentor, a coach, a publisher that understands the process, the backwards planning to hit a deadline, what happens is you do have a lot of people. I mean, I was spoiled when I had you as my first author 
because after that, the next 10 people said they were going to get the book done. They were going to do what I asked them to do, and they agreed to do, and they didn't do it. So I was batting roughly 10% as well, and it's, it's interesting, but if you take the average, uh, it's, a, it's, it's a known fact that uh, 85% of professionals want to write a book, and only one or two of them out of that 85 will actually do it. And a lot of it comes down to fear, and that's fear of their message being important enough, fear of not having enough money, fear of not being important enough themselves, et cetera. And it is amazing that anybody I've talked to at at conferences that uh, is speaking on stages, I asked them what happened when they got their book done. They said, it brought me more business, it brought me more abundance, it brought me more confidence. And my first book, when I wrote Becoming the Perfect Networker, Succeeding One Connection at a Time, as I wrote the book, I learned how I could even be a better leader and a more accountable person as a networker. Because if you're going to write how to be the perfect networker, you better damn well be one. <laughs> so <laughs> when, I saw, when I saw flaws in my own habits that weren't consistent, I checked myself and I said, well, if I'm writing this, then I have to agree to be it at all times. So if you want to write that about being the best father, I, I assure you, you'll be a better father after you write that experience because you are actually learning and teaching yourself as you go through the process. So we have a book. Uh, that I want to make sure is available to everyone that's listening. And Rosa, we'll make sure we get this out on social media too, but it's called Make a Book, Live a Book, Book a Sale. And you can purchase that book on Amazon, but you can also get it for free. If you'll just message us, we'll send you an electronic copy. And you can uh, read it and learn from it. And most importantly, you can ask us questions so that you you are that one out of 85 or two out of 85 person that actually gets the book done, but like Anna said earlier, when you make your book, you've accomplished one huge task. You've done what so many other people said they were going to do that didn't do, but now you're up to the part where you have a book. What are you going to do with this book that makes a difference in the world? And that's the part that she was talking about with regard to marketing. And the last part of it is Rose's expertise. If your book is marketed well, what kind of sale is it going to cause for you and what kind of problem is it going to solve in the world? that people really need salt. And that's where it gets exciting because you're not trading a book for $20 and making 10 or $15. You're possibly giving books out and they're trading 300 to $3,000 sales. And that's a lot more exciting, I think. Mm-hmm. So, you, you know, one, one, interesting, one interesting thing is, you know, Anna mentions how you have to do your homework before the book as far as figuring out, you know, who your audience is, who is it that wants to read your book. One of the powerful things that social media gives you, for example, Facebook, is the ability to find exactly that audience within social media, within, that, within Facebook per se, and so that you can promote your book directly to the people that you wrote it for. And, you know, it, it's, it's something that is very unique to social media, all the information that they give you that you can use to make that book successful. Very good point. And I do want to make sure that some of the things that Ben and I talked about when I visited her recently uh, come into play for this this program. So, first of all, Anna, I was extremely touched by the message you sent me roughly a month ago uh, on Facebook, just telling me that I had made a difference in your life, and it meant so much to me because if you're living a purpose-driven life and you really do want to have impact, it's so great to hear the gratefulness. And I want to give you an opportunity to share people you're grateful for uh, live on the air. And then I also wanted to give you an opportunity to share who you acknowledged in your books 
because that part's the best opportunity, in my opinion, when you get a book done. They can actually dedicate a book to people and that you can acknowledge people that have been a support mechanism for you and that you love. So you want to answer that? Well, certainly I acknowledge the fact that you had made such a difference and opened the door to allow the book to be published because part of it was a fear that nobody would want to write it, read it, and then there was the fear of being ripped off by a publisher. So I certainly acknowledge my friend Jackie Nichols, who unfortunately passed away from her cancer in 07, but it certainly made a huge impact on my life. And then I also acknowledged Patsy Anderson, because if Patsy had not had her networking group and I hadn't met you at that panel discussion that day, when you called and said, come to my office, let's talk about publishing your book, I would have said, who in the world is this guy Ken? So it was really good. You don't know the connections, who knows what, who knows who. But I also dedicated the book to Ginny Robertson, who has an awesome on-purpose woman's networking group, because she really was one of the first people that taught me about being a little more focused in my purpose. Yes, I retired from full-time employment at the age of 51. What was I going to do with the rest of my life? My plan was to write poetry, and I actually had a small business writing poetry for five years. But Ginny really helped me focus in on what my purpose in life was, and that is to share the knowledge that I've gained, especially over my 40-year cancer history. So I keep writing, and I keep talking, and the other thing with Patsy was she introduced internet radio shows. I had my own radio show for six years. I just gave it up because, unfortunately, it looks like my cancer journey is leading towards end of life. And that's why I sent you the message and a bunch of other people that I feel that I need to let you know what impact you've had on my life before my life does end. And whether that be this year or next year or, God willing, I'll be around a lot longer, but it certainly doesn't look that way. But being able to dedicate the book to some people that really made a difference I mean, there was even an indoor football team that adopted me for a year and helped keep my chin off the floor. And then there was my friend Sandy Peluzzi, who was my first editor. I actually just convinced her to publish her first book. I mean, there have been so many people that have made such an impact on my life. And again, it's something that you can use your book for. You can write just a memoir of people that have made an impact what impact, how it helped you, that might help somebody else. You know, certainly sharing the fact that these networking groups helped me. You know, the National Rehabilitation Association, the Single Parent Association I was in. I mean, there are so many ways you can use that book that really makes a difference. And you really need to think about that if you're a writer and you want to write a book. A gentleman named Walter Brown wrote a poetry book. He published 100 copies. That's all he wanted. One, he wanted to see his name on the cover. And that's, unfortunately, what some authors want to see. They don't care if the book sells or not. They want to see their name on the book cover. Walter wanted to give each of his family members his 
collection of poems. And he did, and he was a happy 82-year-old man who died happy. So, you know, really when it comes to the impact of, you know, being grateful to people to help me along my journey, being able to say thank you in public by a couple thousand copies of the book, you know, has really made a difference in their life as well as mine. And I'm glad that my message to you, Ken, in January, when I really thought the end was a lot closer than it is, made a difference in your reaction and your acceptance of my gratitude. And I thank you for that. Well, you're welcome. Thank you for coming to visit me. That was awesome. And it was a wonderful visit, and I got to even read a little bit to you some of the other books I had done. I wanted to, uh, I wanted to say again that the book that you did got you on this radio show. The book you did so many years ago got you on this radio show because of everything you've done with that book. And without that book being done, it's just you can never see the difference in your life. But you can certainly tell people the difference of your life before the book versus your life after the book. And that's really an interesting part of this. I wanted to have you share with people two parts. One part is the part where you met me and you shared your story of what you've gone through. I'd like you to give us a brief synopsis so we have time in the rest of the show to ask some other questions. And also a brief synopsis of what you've done with your life in the last year or so that to make your life really complete. So the first part, a very brief synopsis of the book, I was on a beach with a lightning strike where two friends were killed, and I often wondered for many years why weren't the rest of us killed? Lightning electrifies the ground. Why was I not killed? Why am I still here? Shortly after that, I was in a fatal car crash. My boyfriend, who actually was my my fiancé for a whole hour, died in my arms. It was a very powerful message, I think, from the Lord that I was not going to elope. I was not going to live on a mountaintop in West Virginia. I was going to remain in Baltimore. And thankfully I did because I need the medical care that Baltimore has provided. I had four years of domestic violence, the last event of that marriage was he tried to strangle me to death with a telephone cord. I mean, I could have been another, it was another near-death experience. And then the eight cancers, my heart doesn't always stick, I bleed and I don't clot. I have an amazing life that I have come very close to death several times, and yet I'm still here. And I feel that the Lord has kept me here for a purpose, And some of it has been to teach some stubborn doctors that there are some really crazy bodies around town like mine. But it's also been to talk to these different groups, whether it's senior centers, churches, women's networking, federal retiree employees, all kinds of different groups that I've been able to talk to about healthy living, knowing your purpose, helping to inspire and motivate you. I feel I've been given these talents, so there must be a reason that I'm still here. And certainly doing these radio shows, I know for three 
I interviewed medical people, sharing medical information, helping people find answers. It's just been an absolute, unbelievable retirement job that I never expected to have. And as far as, you know, what I've done in the last couple of years, I was just saying to somebody, you know, I was actually standing in a synagogue. I'm a Catholic little girl from Essex. I never expected to be standing in front of a synagogue talking to these very nice, very generous Jewish people about how to deal with cancer, how to be motivated and think positive that when you get your diagnosis, it doesn't automatically mean that you're going to die. Same way with the senior center. You can sit and make a book about your memoirs, about your life, especially these people who live through the depression years, people who have lived through all kinds of traumas in their own life. I mean, there are so many different positive impacts that I really have been blessed to write the books, to write for the local newspaper, and then to use my voice and make a difference in the world. Does that answer your two points? It very well does. And I would have to say after that, what a physical and spiritual miracle you are. And your book really is a book people should get. Can you tell people where they can find that book? The book actually is now on Amazon in large print because, again, I was getting feedback that a lot of people that were buying the book were over 50 and they needed the large print. So I converted the file to large print and put it on Amazon. Because my cancer came back in 2015, I can't carry around books. So I do book signings. I suggest to people that they go online, buy the book, and bring their book with them to this book signing, and then I sign it. And it just works out so much more convenient for me because I'm not physically able to carry a box of books. Even when I went to California in 2017, October 2017, I did a book signing in Manteca, California. People bought the book on Amazon and then came to the book event in Manteca, and I signed the book. At the end of my 30-day train trip, I did the same kind of book event in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Now, I did take 10 copies with me, or I had them shipped, actually, to me. But most people went online in advance and bought the book and brought it to the book event. So there's more than one way of doing a book signing. I totally agree. So we want to do a couple of uh, rapid-fire questions. So these are really quick uh, questions, really quick answers. So what is a book or two that changed your life? Certainly for me, it was my first book, How Many Lives Does One Person Get? But certainly now with this 30-day train trip, the new Francine book, people are really begging to find out about this 30-day train trip. So I'm actually embarking on another Anna's Journey book that explains the whole planning process and the whole traveling process. So again, life is changing. Awesome. And what is a quote you live by? Everything goes to the Lord and comes back to me tenfold. 
Rosa, did you have a question for her? Yeah, I just wonder, like, what would be one or two words that you would use to describe yourself? Well, I could say I'm stubborn. <laughs> resilient. <laughs> but I am resilient. I am determined. I'm Very also good. a great is, planner. And what is the advice you have for people that are not understanding how valuable and precious life is? <laughs> I'm not sure that's easily answered in just a few sentences, but certainly if you have any question about the preciousness of life, look around you. Look at some of the tragic stories. Look at some of the really highlight stories of success, even like some of the Olympians. Some of them have been through trial and error and tragedy, and yet it doesn't define who you are. You're responsible for every decision you make, not what happened before and not worry about what might happen in advance. You need to know who you are and what you want and make a plan to get there. And how can people reach out to you, follow you, connect with you? I actually have a website, which is my name, www.annagrenault.com. Or they can find me on Facebook. And again, it's Anna Renault. And my profile picture is my book cover. I've never changed it from day one. Yeah, it's a very inspirational book cover, very much so. So, Rosa, thank you for turning the tables today. I must say, <laughs> they were, it was a, a totally different radio show. And I wanted to ask you a question since we're turning tables. Oh, I see. <laughs> What's the title of your book? And when are we getting it out this year? Okay, so that, I don't know. <laughs> it's a short answer. <laughs> that was definitely a very short What's answer. Progress? <laughs> well, Rosa, right, so I have some words of advice for you there. And again, it goes right back to Ken. Mm-hmm. You come up with a working title, and don't be surprised mm-hmm. if it changes ten times before you say, the end. Because depending on how the book progresses, sometimes the title just doesn't quite fit. But when you say the end and you finish the writing, you will have that book title. Great. All right. Well, thank you. We are wrapping up right now. So I just want to say, Anna, it was not only an honor, but it was a full circle experience to have you enter my life and have you on this show to amplify your life. And Rosa, thank you for suggesting the turntable approach because this was definitely needed for this particular program. I just recently got to see Anna and we got a cute smiling card in her hand and she has brought so many smiles to the world. She's going to be one of my favorite people to put in the cute smiling book, the legacy edition. And I'll be doing that book probably in about a couple months, Anna. And I will personally come over and give you a copy because you have made not just a big difference, but I want you to reach out to all your author friends who you feel are making smiles happen and get them connected with us so we can get them in the book too. So thank you very much, Anna. That's why I had my friend Jane here because, again, it's just been such a difference in trying to get other people who have the talent and the purpose to write their books. It really makes a difference. Well, thank you, Anna. You are awesome, and God bless you. You've been amplified. We will be back next week, and we're excited to have you join us again. Thank you. Bye. 
We hope you've enjoyed this week's edition of Amplified. Be sure to join Ken Rashan again next Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Now, go get your message heard.